Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Hi, so blessed to have all of you here today. Again, thank you for, for joining us today on this great Resurrection Sunday. Uh, we're going to uh, <clears throat> be looking in the Scripture in just a moment, but um, I want to just, uh, you know, if you're not, if you're not a sports fan, uh, I think you can still appreciate this story. There was uh, this college football team that had um, uh, a situation where their first-string quarterback had been injured, and so they were relying on their second-string quarterback, and, but he got really sick and wasn't even dressed up for the game. And so they had to go to their third guy, who happened to be a freshman, who formerly in high school had been a quarterback, but now he's the punter for his team. So, and, and, and to make matters worse, the team was actually backed up to their own three-yard line. So this little rookie has got 97 yards to go. So the coach made the decision that they would just try to get the ball forward a few yards, you know, to have a safe punt. And, uh, and that was it. And so he gave the, the young quarterback instructions, and he said this. He said, you, I'll, on the first two downs, I want you to hand the ball off to Kowalski, all right? Hand the ball off to Kowalski, the first two downs, and once you do that, the third down, you punt the ball. He said, yes, sir. Well, they huddled up. He called the play, got to the line. Sure enough, hikes the ball and hands it to Kowalski. Kowalski breaks the tackle, runs 50 yards. So everybody's excited, and uh, he knows do the same thing again. So he calls the same play again, get the ball to Kowalski. So he hands the ball off to Kowalski, and Kowalski, miracle of miracles, breaks another tackle and runs another 45 yards. Now they find themselves on the two-yard line. First down and goal to go. But it's the third play. And to everyone's amazement, the ball is hiked. And that quarterback punted the ball from the two-yard line. The, the, the players are stunned as they're hanging their heads, walking over to the sideline. The coach says, grabs this young boy, and he says, what in the world were you thinking, man, when you called that play? He said, all I could help was, how dumb is our coach? Because, you know, uh, those of you who know how sports work, especially in college and, and, and in some pro, they don't usually give the quarterback, many coaches don't give the quarterback uh, the, uh, the choice to call plays. They all come off of the sidelines. And, uh, but, you know, I'm saying that because there's something important for us to see concerning our relationship with God. God has paid us this ultimate compliment, and he allows us to make our own decisions. He allows us to call our own place in life. And uh, when he created us in his image, he, this was the, the primary among the characteristics uh, with which he endowed us. That is the ability to understand, the ability to reason, the ability to choose. With the, that in mind, I want you to please open your Bible. Um, and uh, as I read, or you can look up here at the WSV widescreen version of the scriptures. <laughs> yeah, it went about that good in the first service too. So, uh, Luke chapter 18 and verse 31, we read this. Then he took the 12 aside and said to them, behold, we are going up to Jerusalem and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the son of man will be accomplished. I, I think it's interesting. Sometimes Jesus speaks of himself in third person. 
concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished. Watch this, verse 32. For he will be delivered to the Gentiles and will be mocked and insulted and spit upon. Verse 33. They will scourge him and kill him, and the third day he will rise again. There's seven things that Jesus points out that are going to happen to him. Don't worry, I'm not preaching a seven-point sermon, all right? I'm just noting that there are seven things that he mentions, and he says those seven things were prophesied beforehand. And so I had to check Jesus on, on his statistic. I want to make sure that what he was saying was accurate. I found out he was accurate. He really does speak the truth. And, and all of those things that he said were going to happen, those seven things you can find almost all of them either in the Psalms or in the book of Isaiah. It's marvelous. I, I encourage you to go do a, a study yourself on it. It's pretty extraordinary. Thousands of years before he came. But in Psalm chapter 22, called the Messianic Psalm, where David gives great detail, great description about Jesus from his view at crucifixion. It's a marvelous, marvelous chapter in the Bible. Isaiah chapter 52 and 53. Isaiah 53 says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our pains, yet we esteemed him stricken by God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we were healed. So we knew that had to do with Jesus receiving that Roman beating upon his back, and that happened. He purposefully had his body broken so that your body would be healed. That's why it's, that's why it's perfectly, perfectly, you are perfectly within your rights and within truth to expect your body to be healed, just like you expect your sins have been forgiven. Because all of that happened in the same afternoon. You can't separate the two. All happened the same afternoon. It's interesting to me that some people, they don't have a problem with receiving forgiveness of sins, but they have a problem understanding that God wants everybody healed. And that happens because a lot of times we look at experience. We look at the, the Word of God in light of experience rather than the other way around. Rather than the other way, I know it says that, but this happened. So? That means you don't believe the truth anymore? Because an experience, a bad experience, hey, no, 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 no. He's called us up to, to higher thinking than that, higher believing than that. I mean, if, uh, I thank God that I'm not depending on all the experiences in my life to show me truth. It's true. You know, experiences, things, things, I mean, I appreciate, we can learn from experiences. I'm not saying they're not all helpful, but that's not the only way to learn. Amen. Because uh, your feelings uh, can certainly fail you. But these things, um, and, and one of the things I wanted to just bring, one of the specific things Jesus said was when he said he would be spit upon. That's very specific detail to his suffering. I don't want you to find, we'll find this in Isaiah chapter 50. It's interesting. Verse 6, look at this. I gave my back also, we see where he was, gave his back to, to receive those stripes. I gave my back to those who struck me and my cheeks to those who plucked out the beard. We know that in the, in the New Testament, in the Gospels, it teaches us that they pulled his beard out. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting. Extraordinary. Jesus said everything that was prophesied about the Son of Man is about to come to pass, all right? Delivered to the Gentiles, mocked, insulted, spit upon, scourged, killed, and rose again, and rise again from the dead. So let me ask you just a, a quick question. Right? Did everybody here understand those words that I just said? Did you understand the words that we read here? I mean, it's pretty clear. Right? I mean, I would expect that your obvious answer would be, yes, I understand, mock, spit, scourge, kill. I get that. But look at this. Look at verse 34. 
Because Jesus didn't tell the disciples just one time about his... Matter of fact, you read Matthew chapter 16, Matthew chapter 17, Matthew chapter 20. He goes into detail again, and he, and he says it just as clearly as he does here. And look at verse 34. But they understood none of these things. What's the problem here? What? What's wrong with you guys? What do you mean you don't understand these things? It says they were hidden from them. Not that God was hiding them. It's just that they, were, they just couldn't perceive it. It says... You know why? Because they had one way set in their minds. Listen to me. This is what your own reasoning and thinking can do. It can make you blind to truth. It can make you absolutely blind to truth and not be able to see it. They just, did not, they, they just didn't make any sense to them. Because here's what they're thinking. Jesus has come and he's going to establish his kingdom here. We're going to overthrow this Roman rule and everything's going to be cool. But that's not why he came. So that's why what he was saying here, it just, it just did not make sense to them. And they did not know the things which were spoken. I don't know about you, but this does bring a bit of comfort to me. How many of you ever read the scriptures and, and, and realized you did not understand what you were reading? Am I in the right church? Okay. All right. Did not understand what you were reading. I, especially when I used to read Paul's letters, Law and Grace, when you talk about the law, I would just be like, I, I, okay, I, can't even, I don't even know what that's talking about. And I was a preacher's kid. Why, why is it that these guys don't understand this? So I, I, I want us to run over to Matthew chapter 16 for a moment. Now, we can't be too hard on the disciples. We can't be too, too hard on these guys. These guys are living in the moment that you're reading about. All right? It's easy for us to read 2,000 years later, see how it all went, understand it. But when you're in the moment, it's not always easy to see. Look at Matthew chapter 16. Um, this is where we find another time when the, the disciples are struggling to understand what Jesus is saying. Watch this. Now, when his disciples had come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Uh, Mark's version of this says that they had no bread with them except one loaf. We'll call it a biscuit. All right? They had one biscuit among 13 guys. Okay? Now, watch this. Look what Jesus says. Then Jesus said to them, take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves. All right, so catch this. They're sitting in this boat, and Jesus says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, or the religious leaders of the days. And you see all of them kind of look at each other like, we need to talk about this. Because I don't know what he's saying. So they start just trying to figure out. They start reasoning among themselves. What, okay, what, what is that? Well, leaven of the family. What is leaven? Well, that's, that's, that's an ingredient in bread. Oh, he's hungry. Jesus is casting a riddle before us. He's hungry. Oh, obviously. He's, okay, so what do we got here, guys? Do, we, do, we, do anybody bring the bread? Thomas holds up. I got one biscuit. So now they're thinking, oh, he is going to be so ticked. We don't have any bread. This is it. And so then Jesus is watching them have this ridiculous conversation. And he says, why are you reasoning about bread? What is up with you guys? He says, now listen, not that long ago, I fed 5,000 people with five loaves of bread. How many leftovers, how many baskets of leftovers were left over, and they said, uh, 12. And he said, and then another time after that, I fed 4,000 people with seven loaves of bread. How many baskets did we have left over? Seven. 
and you're worried about bread. You've got to be kidding me. And one time Jesus said, how long do I have to hang out with you guys? How much longer do I have to be here until you finally get this? Right? Because Jesus was talking about, I do nothing of myself but with the Father. So, so whatever is happening here, that's the Father's doing. Philip speaks up, show us the Father. And it is sufficient. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Didn't you hear what I just said to you? And since Jesus' frustration. But again, I'm, I find myself identifying with the disciples when what should be obvious sometimes isn't so obvious. You know? So, we all realize that there are some things that we learn later on in life that as we look back, we're amazed that we didn't learn those things sooner. You know? Um, we reach a stage in life where we look back and, and we understand, we realize all the dumb things that we did, the, the decisions we made, and, and wish that somehow we had a time machine to go back and fix some of those things, knowing that that's impossible. And a 43-year-old Eric Holler could go talk to a 20-year-old Eric Holler. I might physically beat myself. <laughs> and I might call myself all kinds of names. You have to get this, you idiot! And wish, and, and we end up wishing somehow that, you know, that we know, that we knew then what we know now, but that's just not the case. How, I mean, how much better would life have been if we had just learned those lessons earlier? I'm sure that my parents probably struggled with this thought. Why aren't they learning from my mistakes? And then I have kids. And I'm thinking the very same thing. I'm telling you not to do this because I experienced pain and grief and suffering and regret. Don't do it. They don't learn. And then my children someday are going to have kids, and I'm sure they're going to be asking the same question. Why aren't you learning? Jesus told his guys, what was about to happen, it just didn't sink in with them. And maybe they weren't quite ready to learn the lesson. There were also some others who were unaware of what was really going on. Paul teaches us over in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he says this, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So guys like Pontius Pilate and Caiaphas, the high priest, members of the Sanhedrin, even the Roman soldiers, if they would really known, if they would have really known who Jesus was, they would not have crucified him. They would not have done what they did. My question is to all of us here today, do we really understand the significance of this death and this burial and this resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do we really get it? Because, you know, when I was a kid, we always sang about enduring till the end. Songs like that, I am determined to hold out till the end. You know, it was all about someday, life sucks now, but it's going to be really good someday in heaven. So we're just trying to hold on. Right? And I'm, I'm grateful to God for His resurrection. I'm grateful to God that Jesus' resurrection means I'm going to be resurrected. 
Jesus, the fact that Jesus came out of the grave and he's the first fruits of those who rise from the dead, hallelujah, gives you hope as a believer that when you close your eyes in death on planet earth, it's not the end of your life. It's actually just begun. We have only just begun to live. I think every believer probably starts singing that as soon as they get into heaven. Something like that. <laughs> but, and that's glorious because the scripture says the Lord himself, I love the way it says that, the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will be raised incorruptible. And those who are still alive and remaining here on earth will be caught up together with them in the clouds. And there we will meet the Lord in the air. And thus we will always be with the Lord. And the scripture says, comfort one another with these words. And we need that comfort because we've lost loved ones that we want to see again. We've lost people that are precious to us that we want to see again. And we have that hope that there's a great reunion. Whew, there's a great reunion day coming when we're going to be back in each other's embrace again forever and ever and ever. This short time on earth, this short time of grief, I know sometimes it seems like it's forever, but it doesn't even compare to the glory of that reunion. That's why we have hope. That's why we continue to look to Him and thank Him because He rose from the dead. I'm assured today I will rise from the dead too. You're assured today by faith in Him you will rise from the dead too. But then that's great. But that's all down the road, right? That's all hopefully in the distant future. What about now though? What about right now? What does that resurrection do for me right now? Because I don't know about you, but I need something more than what I can make up myself. I need another power that's beyond my own power. I need a strength that's beyond my own strength. I need, seriously, strength that, that, that weightlifting cannot produce. All right? And I appreciate weightlifting. But I need something greater than that. Paul said this, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved... It is the power of God. I don't know about you, but I've, you know, when I've had opportunities to witness, taken those opportunities to witness to others and tell them about the gospel, it's like sometimes, as I'm saying it, they're looking at me like I'm the dumbest man on planet Earth. And I'm comforted when I come back to the Scripture, oh, the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing or otherwise have no revelation. After Jesus' resurrection and His ascension into heaven, the Scripture teaches us that that the disciples gathered together. Jesus told them to go and wait for the promise of the Father. And he had told them earlier, the Spirit, I'm going to send one just like me. He's the helper, and he's going to be just like me. And he's going to bring to your remembrance all those things that I taught you. He's going to help you. He's going to guide you in every walk of life. He's going to help you. He's going to show you things, reveal things to you. And so that day on Acts chapter 2, uh, you can read that, that account where the Holy Spirit, they're all gathered in one place in one accord, and, and the Scripture says that suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting, and, and there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire that set up on each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And it's, it was a marvelous thing. And it was like from that experience, that day forward, the disciples knew what they were talking about from that day forward. Because when the revealer came, they, they understood things that were a mystery, a puzzle, a riddle before they just couldn't get. But now, as, the, as they're living their life full of the Holy Spirit, full of the power of God, now things are clicking. 
Then they remembered. The scripture says this a few times. Then they remembered what Jesus said. Then they, Why? Because the Holy Spirit said, hey, by the way, remember that time and you didn't know what you were doing? You were banging your head against the wall trying to figure out what Jesus was saying? Here's what he was saying. Oh, yeah, it all makes sense now. And we need the Holy Spirit to reveal things to us so that we really know what truth is because he will guide you into all truth. Because otherwise they just don't make sense. Let's just try to make sense of, without revelation from the Holy Spirit, let's try to make sense of communion. Here's this much juice and this little piece of bread. Oh, by the way, that bread is the body, the flesh of Jesus, and that juice is his blood. Eat it and drink it. I don't want to eat flesh, and I certainly don't want to drink blood. Without revelation, it doesn't make any sense. How about water baptism? A chance for a preacher to drown people. That's what it looks like. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. You're going to do what? You want me to be water baptized? You're going to dunk me underwater in front of people? Why do I want to be a part of that? You have to have revelation for these things to make sense. How about speaking in tongues for Pete's sake? I've been speaking in tongues my whole entire life, and my mind is still telling me to this day, this is crazy. It's completely unfruitful. All these years I've been, I've just been thinking, somewhere along the way I'm going to start understanding what I'm saying. Nope. Nope. But I don't stop. I keep doing it. Why? Because it's not about me understanding it. It's about me. Whew experiencing what God wants me to experience. I just want to experience Him. And it's another experience in God. But it is a bit crazy, I'll admit. If we're just looking at it from this, our own reasoning, right? Or how about the virgin birth? Can you make sense of a virgin having a baby? I mean, come on, it takes two to make that happen. And that's what Mary said. I know it takes two. I'm only one. How's this going to happen? And the Lord, the angel said there, this is interesting, the angel said, that the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, and the power of the highest is going to overshadow you. And this is what she said. Wow, be it unto me according to your word. That's all you need, Mary? I'd be like, can you add to that, please? I've got some more questions. What is this? The Holy Spirit coming upon me, and the power of the highest overshadow me. You did not answer my question. That is so vague. But it's like, guess what happened? She got a revelation. She said, oh, that's all I need. Be it unto me according to your word. Huh? Revelation comes. If we'll just have the attitude in our hearts. I love that about Mary. Lord, be it unto me according to your word. I can't understand this. Show it to me. Reveal it. Reveal this resurrection to me now. What does that mean for me now? What is there for me that I'm missing right now? What experiences am I not living in because I don't understand? Help me to understand. And see, one thing about it is the gospel is being preached all the time, right? I mean, how, long, how many times have we heard the story? 
Jesus died for your sins. He was buried. He rose from the dead three days later. How many times have you heard this story? But when you took it personally, that's when everything changed. When you didn't take it as just something that some preacher said, but when you understood it as it was personally to you, see, that's when things really started clicking for you. That's when all this stuff that was so foreign now began to make sense. And that happened through believing that gospel. And by doing that, the Scripture says, in it... It is the power of God. The gospel is the power of God, the salvation to everyone who believes. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed. There's revelation that comes through believing this gospel. Paul said in one place, he said, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Wow. Well, may that be the cry of our hearts. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. That's glorious. So this this. Jesus rising from the dead isn't just some story for us to hear and to know. It's something for us to experience. Even though that day is going to be awesome of our resurrection from the dead, but I need to understand this truth. Romans chapter 8 says, The same Spirit that raised Him from the dead lives where? Lives in me. Whoa, why is that important for me to know? Because this is what it says and he will make alive or quicken your mortal body. Ooh, that means he's got something for you now. The mortal body, that which is subject to death, he will make alive your mortal body. The spirit is there right now with resurrection power in your mortal body. Wow. We got to tap into this, right? We got to grab a hold of that power. We got to grab, and that's going to come. Through understanding, revelation. One last scripture, John chapter 11. We're going to receive communion here together today in just a moment before we leave. Look at this. Mary, or Martha, I should say. Mary and Martha were sisters, and they had a brother named Lazarus, and Lazarus got sick and died. So now Jesus is speaking to Martha four days after Lazarus has been laid in the tomb dead. Four days he's been dead. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Check this out. Resurrection then. Ooh. Resurrection isn't just an experience. Resurrection is a person. I am resurrection. I am life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And this is what Martha said, and, and we would probably say the same thing. Yeah, I know, that day's coming when Lazarus is going to come out of this tomb, when Jesus comes back to take us. Well, guess what? Jesus showed her something else about resurrection. Yeah, that's going to happen, but watch what I do right now. Watch what I, the resurrection life, will do right now. Because you've given up hope. Well, yeah, Jesus, he's been dead four days. I mean, that's kind of normal. But he's saying, let me show you what resurrection looks like. Now. And he walked up to Lazarus' tomb and he said, he had the audacity to speak to a dead man that had been dead four days and command him to come forth. And ladies and gentlemen, the dead man woke up and the dead man came forth because the resurrection was on the scene. The resurrection and the life. So that we never lose hope 
in any situation in our lives. That we never lose hope. Listen to me. Watch this. The word for resurrection is the Greek word anastasmos. Anastasmos, and it means this. The standing up again. The recovery. The standing up again. Now watch what Jesus just said. I am your stand up again, and I am your recovery. I am your stand up again, and I am your recovery. I don't know what that does to you, but that makes me happy. That gives me hope. That fills me with awe and wonder. That power that raised him from the dead right now is my stand up again, and it is right now my recovery. For those of you who are lost, maybe you're here and you're lost in sin. You haven't even given God a second chance. You haven't given him a first chance. Let me tell you something. Jesus is your stand up, and he is your recovery. Those of you here today who have lost, you've lost in one level of life, lost a loved one to death, you've lost finances, you've lost a marriage. Listen to me. Jesus is your stand up again and your recovery. For those of you who may be grieving today, maybe you're here today and you're fighting sickness and disease, Jesus Christ is your stand up again and he is your recovery. Maybe your marriage is broken. Maybe a child is astray. Jesus is your stand up again and he is your recovery. Maybe you're overcome with addiction and you can't find your way out. Receive this today. Jesus is your stand up again and he is your recovery. Whoever you are, whatever trouble you're facing, just let Jesus be your stand up again and your recovery. I am the stand up again. I am the recovery. This is, this, is, this is what this resurrection is all about. The here and now and the there and there. Father, thank you that you loved us so much that you just wouldn't live without us. So you took the greatest measure of love and demonstrated the greatest measure of love to us that you possibly could by giving us the most precious thing to you, and that is your dear son. Not only did you pronounce the judgment on our sin, but you were willing through Jesus to carry out the sentence so that all of us could receive everlasting life, so that all of us could experience in our daily life the power of this resurrection. In our right now struggles, in our right now challenges, in the things that we don't have answers for, in our grief and in our disappointments and in our regrets, what I want us all to remember today, what you want us all to know and understand is that Jesus Christ is our standing up again and He is our recovery. As long as He is in our lives, there is always hope. As long as He is the way, there will always be a way. And we thank you, Lord. We're not here today to just go through some religious motions again because it's Easter and that's what we do. No, we're here to be changed.
by you, God. And I thank you. I believe that you've done it. I believe that you've done it. Whatever situation you may be in, just say this. Just pray this with me. Say, Lord, I thank you that you rose from the dead. Thank you that you died for my sins. I thank you even more today that you rose from the dead. And I receive right now that power that comes from your resurrection. I receive you as my stand up again. I receive you as my recovery. I will not be disillusioned. I will no longer be discouraged. I will not live in disappointment. But I will allow Jesus to be my stand up again and my recovery. Thank you, Lord, for that. And I believe right now, Lord, that you have done that, are doing it, and will continue to do it. That we may know you and the power of your resurrection. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.